when did you get this California shirt? For context, Preet is wearing a rain, rainbow California sign, and it says UCLA under because I met him at UCLA. Yeah, when did I get this? I got this before I came uh, to LA. I got this in India. And what you wouldn't hell? believe really? UCLA is a huge clothing brand in India. I mean, Fake uh, shit or yeah. real shit, though? No, actually, it's it's it has the full like insignia and everything. You know the the, the like whatever the logo thing that they have. It's it, and it has a TM that R thing, like you know, super 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 official looking. But it's a brand in in actual retail stores. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and and it has much better variety than they have it even in the UCLA store. Bro, you gotta buy a shitload and just like flip them in America. <laughs> Dude, let's do it together. <laughs> Punjabi, Gujarati, I feel like we were meant to do it together. Yeah, dude, we need your uh, business expertise, you know? <laughs> no, you need my stinginess. <laughs> That's what fucking makes business work. I didn't want to say it. I was thinking it, though. <laughs> do you think yeah. that's a that's a common stereotype in India with Guju people? What? The, the, the stinginess? I think yeah, 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 pretty universal. No, okay. yeah, it's it's it is a thing. Like you know, don't be a good. Gym. I mean, I've heard that a lot in my life. Maybe to a certain extent with South Indians, because the North is known more for you know, it's 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 showing off. You know, who am I telling? You know, you you, you tell me about that. Yeah, the Punjabi people are are definitely known for uh, having extravagant parties, extravagant events. I mean, you know, if, if you grew up in India, fucking feels like a lifetime ago. Growing up in India, I mean. It, I came here when I was 17. I didn't even turn 18. So I, you know, came here as a young child, you know, just a, just a little man, almost a little man. And uh, it was so interesting. I mean, I, I don't even know. It's uh, How was the transition from India to here? Oh, I mean, it's, it, it hits you in the face. You know, it's, everything's just so different. I don't even know. It, people talked about a culture shock and it never really, I, I never really understood it even when I was here, you know, people would tell you, oh, you know, you would feel X, Y, and Z. And that means like, you know, you're going through culture shock or whatever. But just to put some more color on that, I mean, the first day I came, I, I went up to the, the little like, you know, front desk thing that we had. and At the UCLA? Yeah, yeah, in one of the dorms, dorm, dorm buildings, during orientation. This was my first night. And of course, you know, the showers were in a separate little thing, you know, we had showers. So I, I didn't know. So I, I went down and I'm like, you know, where's the shower? You know, that's because, you know, the British pronunciation, that's how we learned it. So basically, even the, our spellings, the way we would say words, that, that person didn't understand me. You know, I had to say it like three or four times. And then I was like, I spelled it out. I didn't even think I, I could say shower, you know. I spelled it out to her. She's like, oh, she's like, oh, shower. I was like, oh, shit. You know, I have to like really think about this now whenever I talk to someone. But it was a lot of fun. I remember when I came, I was so excited. You drive through the frat row when you come up to uh, UCLA, at least. Uh, I think you get off the, the 4 or 5 and then you, you drive up. And it just looked like, you know, those American colleges you see in the movies. So I was so excited for the first six to eight months that I didn't even think about a culture shock or, you know, even think that that was going to be a possibility. But the, the mentality of the people was was also something that, you know, in a good way stood out to me here because there's a thing called Jugaad in India. I think everyone knows about this. What does that mean? It, it, it's a concept where basically when you do Jugaad, it means to find the most creative, most efficient way to do something. And most of the times it's it's not the most uh, uh, ethically uh, sound thing to do. But again, <laughs> you know, if it is efficient, if it saves your time, if it saves your efforts, 
and and usually that is a creative solution. So that that's what doing jugaad means. You know, let's you know there is not a straight way to something. You know, let's do some jugaad. It's a huge thing even now for me, but you know in India it's a huge thing. And so if I was in India, and I mean I think I carried over some of the habits, I would still be like <laughs> finding creative ways to you know get through classes and trying to you know do the projects in the most um, you know do it in a way where I would get done with them. And I think that was a big thing I had to overcome. I don't know if I truly did. When you say overcome, you're saying uh, it was hard to find that type of community. No, I found both kinds. I found both kinds. You know, so the people from India, right? Like you know, so they would also have that jagad in them. So it was very easy. And and of a lot of people, you know, who were born and brought up here as well, who who practice jagad, you know, without even them knowing the meaning. You know, you find you find both kinds of people. So the struggle really was, um, you know, the little angel and devil <laughs> around you. You can you can basically. find anyone who can convince you of what you need to be convinced of so the idea was to figure out who you know who were really good people who had your best interests interests at heart and you know they didn't necessarily have to be good people like it could just their interests could align with yours and that could help as well but that was that was something that i spent a lot of my first year doing too because you've meet so many people right like and you you're friendly you know you only want to just fucking you know be friends with 100 people at once and and that that is amazing for the first month I mean, even going into the dorms and having so many people around you must be like overwhelming because you're like, oh, this is cool. I'm like meeting people. When you got to UCLA, you said that you, you know, you drove through four or five, etc. Were you with your parents or did you come come alone? Came with my dad. It was me and my dad. Okay, you came with your dad. I I was curious if you came alone. I don't. No, no. I mean, I couldn't have just the amount of bags we had. I think we had to. <laughs> uh, they allowed us like three bags each of. 32 kilos you know we we were stuffing things at the end you know because i think it was helpful i mean i i wish my mom could come as well because i think that was really hard on her seeing me go and and you know she was a mess uh, just outside the airport and uh, so was my aunt and stuff so i mean it was a big deal like i i just sprung the thing on my parents almost at the end of the 11th grade um where i was like you know i don't want oh, fucking wow. yit you know it's a lot of uh, you know a lot of years that you that you put in you know your prime years almost and and what you get at the end of it is 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 not even a fraction of what you could if you maybe you know make that initial investment of of going abroad and then so i didn't want to do that it, and because you know see my iit classes were 3 hours in the evening and that's when i could meet my girlfriend and so <laughs> i just needed that there we go <laughs> but i mean real priorities one of many reasons i would say one of many reasons i don't know how to rank it the main reason <laughs> that's all funny uh, so we were in the same school but you know we went different grades so we couldn't meet during the day uh, i'd come back and we couldn't like you know she, she had a strict mom so she could only get out at certain times and you know i just i was i was, and i was also studying at the same time i did i gave it a year the reward to the amount of work that that you put in for it is i mean it's it's But now I guess like the packages have really caught up. You know, people are making you know high six figures, one fifty, two hundred, even in India, straight out of IIT. Even I think that was true for like maybe the toppers back then, like you know for maybe one in a hundred yeah. in IIT. So I came with my dad, stayed with me for a week and a half, two weeks, uh, just helped me settle and stuff. That was really nice. It was sweet. You know, wish my mom could have come. But I remember at that time, you know, I was I was kind of struggling to spend time with him because I also wanted to spend time with him before he left. But then also. Yeah. trying to branch out and you know you mentioned the thing about the dorms a lot of people and stuff i didn't feel that way at all i remember one of the first nights when we actually moved to our dorms you know after orientation i just knocked on every door on the dorm and like you know you've been to hedrick right like you know one floor is huge 
Yeah. It's always doubles, triples. Yeah. Knocked on every door. And by the end of it, I think we had like 50 people and we all like walked in and out. No, sorry, not in and out. What is that cookie thing? Reese's? What is it? Oh, uh, Diddy Reese. Diddy Reese, yeah. We all went oh, there. Sorry. And I mean, you know, you, you saw those tourist crowds. You know, we were one of those tourist crowds <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> so you're saying you pretty much went door to door and asking like introducing yourself literally. and like hey do you want to go get cookies or something literally yeah we just not i mean we oh, wow. i think we were two or three people uh we were just in a room so you bored was that your own idea i mean i don't want to take credit for it in the sense that i think it was my enthusiasm i think that really motivated mm. people i think i was just so hyper at that point where even the people who were shy to begin with i think i was glad that a lot of pe- these kind of people came to and I remember I was just like, you know, so it was a, we had those sidewalks. I said it was a long line of people walking down and I was running yeah. up and down talking to people. I was really, I mean, I was honestly like making the most of it. You, you, you didn't probably haven't seen my pictures from then, but I had a fucking, you know, rapper's hat, you know, those flat tops. I had a little chain. Oh no, I don't think so. Uh, dude, I had um, <laughs> those arms, live strong <laughs> things. The bra- the, 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 the necklace that mm. I would have, you know, the, the chain that I had was, you know, those army tags. I had got, gotten from Washington, D.C. Because, you know, we went around, uh, my dad and I, like, we, you know, we went to different places. It was a little thing of mine where I was like, you know, I'll, I'll have that memory. That whole package was uh, yeah. very typically fobbish. And, I mean, I'm proud of it, honestly. I had I had multicolored pants and stuff. <laughs> but I definitely toned, uh, toned my uh, dressing down a little bit after that. After the first uh, couple of months. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel like the dressing was something that you had to kind of change when you got here? Yeah, to, to the point of, you know, the, something as small as like the length of, you know, how how low your bag hangs. Mm. Because in India, your your bag, a lot of the folks, you know, it's pretty typical to just have like one strap or, you know, you, you have your bag uh, below your ass. And, you know, that's supposed to be cool. I mean, that's how we did it. Yeah, it was like, fucking, <laughs> you know, I think the dressing in India is more expressive. I think there's more colors. I wouldn't say always the most fashionably sound but i mean fashionably just depends right but i think there are a lot of muted colors you're very you know this the, the same like you know fucking khaki pants and stuff you know i've seen more khaki pants here in the first year than i did in fucking india man you know india people wear jeans and you know there was a huge thing with like multicolored pants back then so uh, you'd have like pastel yeah. colors and stuff it was amazing but then i fucking st- <laughs> the indians who came here with me they would laugh at me you know more than the, than yeah. the locals <laughs> When I wore these things. I mean, betrayed by my own people. That's hella funny. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, you you see stuff around you, you know, and then you get influenced, of course, with like uh, the dressing style. So by the end of the, the first few months, I still, I still uh, clung on to the colors, you know. Right. Like, I, I mean, I think you uh, you hit it on the on the nail earlier, saying fashion is very subjective. You know, whatever you like here, it's like very individual based too. It's not like everyone's following your fashion. Whereas in India, I think it might be. I mean, you can you can tell me if I'm thinking incorrectly, but it might be homogenous, where everyone is kind of following the same fashion standards. Where here, it seemed very subjective, at least in my perspective. Like people are all over the place. Whatever works best for you. I think that's how you should dress. That's how mm. I tell all my friends too. Just because like all these actors or actresses or people, famous people are dressing a certain way doesn't necessarily mean those colors and that style will work with you. It's important to find like the fine balance of like what you're looking for and what you feel confident in before you start seeing what everyone else is wearing. So when you, you say know? here, did you mean UCLA or uh, just the US? I think the US in general, actually. 
I think you can find those pockets. I think at UCLA back then, or even now, I'm sure it's a little bit more homogenous because everyone wants to fit in. You don't want to be that random person who is uh, standing out of the crowd. But now that I am working and I'm a little bit older and I can see things, it's like the types of clothes I get now, it's more so based on like, what do I like that mm, would look good on okay. me, you know? Whereas kind of just following everyone. Like what kind of clothes have you got recently that you would say? I mean, honestly, I haven't gone shopping in the last three or four years just because of that. Really? In <laughs> yeah. three or four years? I mean, I buy shirts here and there, man. But like, I ain't like, I'm not like fixing all, like changing all my wardrobe or something. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. That's why you got to go to India, bro. Because then you don't feel guilty about the shopping. You know, you're That's spending true. rupees. Yeah. When was the last time the you The last went? time I went to India was in 2014, actually. It's been a long time. Wow. Yes, yeah, if I'm yeah, if I'm not mistaken, 2014 was for my cousin's wedding. Mm. And yeah, it was a long time ago. It was a very long time ago. It's a good excuse to go though. I mean, you must have had a lot of fun. Now. Yeah, I definitely want to go check it out. I think it's been it's been a long time. One thing I did want to ask you and this is this happened like a few months ago and I was like, "Oh, I got to get Preet's opinion on this." Let me let me give you context. So my parents after the pandemic hit, you know, no one could travel obviously. So eventually when things started getting lifted, my parents ended up going back to India. I think the last time, the first time they went back in a long time was in 2022. So they went to 2022. Before they went, I was telling them like, hey, you should just get an Airbnb because, you know, we have family in Delhi. You can stay there, but it's just inconvenient. You know, you guys have been staying here for such a long period of time, like in our house in America. Everyone's used to space. Everyone's used to like, and I was telling them, you should just get it so you feel comfortable. Stirring and they're like, no, we want to just stay with family this time. I'm like, all right, cool. That's fine. So yeah. last year they went around the same time, like winter time or whatever. Told them again, I think you should get an Airbnb. Not because there's anything wrong or relationship wise or anything. It's just for you guys to feel comfortable and feel like this is your own space. And then through conversation, I finally realized, well, in my head of what it was. Even though my parents grew up in India, they moved here. We moved here in 2000. So they were probably in their like mid 30s when they moved here. Mm. And I think they've lived here for such a long time that I think a part of them feels a little bit nervous going there and staying there. And it seems a little bit foreign to them. Mm. And that's what I wanted to ask you. Someone who you mentioned before, you moved here when you were 17. Obviously, you've gone back and forth. But do you feel like that? Do you feel like a little like on edge? You're like, dude, I haven't been living here for such a long time. Do I feel comfortable? Going back? Yeah, staying in India. Yeah, I mean, I think I've uh, I've really struggled to because your behavior really changes once you come here. And right. then, so when, when you go back, you're really hyper aware of the fact that, you know, people are watching you. They're seeing, even when I uh, went back for the first time, you know, three months uh, during our winter break the first year. But now I think it's, it's more about just, I'm pretty comfortable now. Uh, the amount of times I've been back, I don't think I change much when I go back now. I still am hyper aware of the fact that I don't want to sh- give off the vibe of, of of a typical NRI, right? So I still think about it, tailor my behavior like that. I've never had that accent. So I think that's not an issue at all. I, I People still tell me, you know, uh, they're, they're surprised I don't. That's never been an issue. But I think more so, once you live here, everything in India, I mean, now even with the, the inflation, them being much higher, everything feels very cheap in India. So I think you can really ball mm-hmm. out. Honestly, I love the fact that I can go and spoil my relatives. So I think I, I cherish that. I look forward to it. India is just a lot of fun, man. I mean, I think I would advise anyone who, you know, who, who really wants to explore the world. I, I think to start with India, uh, with the caveat that obviously have someone who's who's local from there with you. Yeah. Um, just for all, 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 all the obvious reasons. But it's just such an amazing place. I mean, the culture changes every hundred kilometers. It's the, the amount of diversity... 
there is in the foods in language and i mean even the fact that everything there is is and this is true in i think in europe and in a lot of places and you know america has like a lot of space in 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 india and in, even in 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 europe i mean everything's very walkable so i remember mm-hmm. when i went back this time around uh, my my grandma's house is in a lane and i knew everyone everyone's houses are like these townhouses you know so they, they yeah. share walls and so i knew everyone in the lane so i would just spend my whole day going from one place to the other and i realized you know what it means to to live in a walkable community to live in like a place mm. surrounded by friends i think and 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 family and loved ones and stuff and that's something that that i really wish you the us had more of you know i love the space here but yeah i don't care about that man i mean i just want to walk yeah i mean that that's <laughs> that's one thing that uh, i experienced too when I, when we when we moved here is that the community aspect is very much missing there's like no one knows anyone no one talks to anyone there's not yeah. a sense of community here like we'll know some neighbors here and there mm. but compared to india where everyone's in your business you know pros and cons <laughs> right it's it's good because like if you think about it like if something happens like if someone's trying to steal shit or someone like parked their car like some random auntie or some <laughs> random person would be like oh i know who parked the car there so in that aspect i do enjoy india but yeah the the community aspect is very much missing here and it's something that's in america you have to find cuz community or sangat is is very important to living a good life in my opinion even where you live i mean your parents have been there for what like you know long time right multiple decades my parents have we've been living in california for uh, i mean over 20 years at this point and the house that we're living at right now it's been uh, over 10 years so we do have a sense of community here with good family friends mm. but i will say i think initially coming moving from india to america mm. that aspect was a transition for sure is it easier now i mean with with folks in the community do you feel closer to the way you feel in india or is it still very hard to replicate that it's here? still hard to replicate that because for example like i'll go down my street i know some neighbors so if i if i'm walking or even running if i see anyone outside of their house i said i t- i try to talk to them at least say hi to them and introduce myself so they know like oh this kid lives on the corner house in our street you know but for the most part everyone's just to themselves man I think Texas has a better better community in my opinion. I mean, grass is greener bro because really it's fucking I would tell you but Dallas is kind of like a depressing city. It's it's mm. there's like very few pockets you can have fun in. I mean, there are very specific things that you can do to have fun. Again, it's it's I mean, Texas is huge, right? So it's just just right. by default people are so far apart. You really have to plan things out to even meet. You can't just run into people, you know. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you can only really replicate it when you have these walkable places. And I mean, I feel like in America they just don't have it. I wish they did. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're living in the city, city, there's really not much walkable in the suburbs or even the urban area. Now even the cities. I mean, I was in San Francisco a couple of years ago, just taking a walk uh, in like a pretty good part of financial district, and I mean, didn't feel safe at all. Yeah. Like, where can you rep? I I was thinking about it the suburbs probably if you have like a little gated community and stuff you could right. do that but I feel like you know we have gated communities too in India I mean most of the the the, the societies we call it you know it's it's buildings it's apartments and it's it's it, it's gated but there is a housing society that actually mm. does social events so we have a lot of festivals you you'll have multiple chances to to just get involved yeah. that means that even when you're living in a big city where you know space is a premium you have that this sense of belonging and i mean here even in like you know a dense place like new york city our friends there they tell me it's not the same dude you don't even know who's living next to you yeah. and that's just one of the most bizarre things like i don't understand what is it the obsession of uh, fucking you know freedom individuality 
Yeah, I don't know what it is. But... No, I, I what it is is that people are scared, in my opinion. I think there have been so many occurrences throughout history where like, you know, like the Ted Bundy scenarios, right? Ted Bundy would just like <laughs> roll through to like random people and be like, hey, can you help me with this? And they'd be like, yeah, come inside and you can I can help you with it. The next thing you know, the dude's like killing people, right? But it's interesting. I was like thinking about this a while back. For example, if I'm walking in a neighborhood and I don't have a phone, if I need to call someone right away, my my first instinct is like, I'm just going to knock on someone's house and be like, hey, can I use your phone? I got to call like someone to come pick me up. And I don't think many people will be okay with that. They would slam the door on your face. Oh, for sure. They'll probably think I'm trying to rob them. I mean, same with me. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like if America is kind of like breeding this sense of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like fragmentation, you know, it's like everyone's kind of for themselves, which is not good in my opinion. Like, for example, last year or not last year in 2022, around the winter time, uh, someone came and dropped off something around like 8 p.m., you know, FedEx. And okay. this lady dropped it off and she dropped it off and it was like raining outside. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much for dropping it off. So I was like, please hold on. And I gave her some snacks, some water and snacks. And she's like, oh, my God, thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. Have a great night. And she's like, hey, by the way, um, is it OK if I use your bathroom? I really need to use the bathroom. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Go for it. She went inside. I was like, oh, God, should I have asked her for her car keys or something in case she like <laughs> tries to kill me or something? But then she just left, you know, she left and she was like, oh, my God, thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. It's perfectly fine. And then afterwards, when I was talking to friends, everyone had this opinion, like, yeah, you probably should not have left her letter inside. And I'm like, I get it. But also I'm like, dude, she like, you know, like this is like the human aspect of it. All she just wants to do is use the bathroom. But this is very common. It's going to happen everywhere in America, I think. It's a primary instinct for me as well now. Being being right? here for this long here, I, I probably wouldn't let like a a stranger in the house. And I think that it's more prevalent in the cities. For a little time there, I did some campaigning in mm-hmm. the rural parts of Iowa, right? So before going there, I was I was a little nervous. You know, you, you listen to media reports. You, you think that, you know, people in these parts are not going to be particularly hospitable. You know, of people. course, it's... It, you... <laughs> <laughs> and and these houses are far apart and, and, and they're like off-road. So like, you know, you're a random dude just coming up to a door of this house I mean you know naturally people would be skeptical that's what I thought yeah and then I go there I'm knocking on doors all day long right like so this is for the this is for the primary uh, for the democratic uh, what year was this 2016 oh this is no wait sorry I'm so sorry 2020 this is after you graduated yeah this is right before I I was going to start my job Uh, so I had a couple of couple of weeks at, at four weeks of, of, of time between uh, us switching jobs so you know I just thought you know why not you know yeah. it was a good experience and it was snowing then and I mean it was brutal conditions we were this huge group of I mean it was like 20 or 30 people be working out of this little like uh, strip mall a little office in the strip mall it was a campaign headquarters for Oscar Lusa in Iowa it was right in, uh, to the lead up of the of the Iowa caucuses actually mm. so it was, it was right at the end towards the end you know so it was fell to the metal we were dialing people when we were not knocking on doors we were you know texting when we had a free time you know between stops i would go around to all of these places right you know and 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 to talk about something that it's controversial to say the least you know politics is going up to someone's right. house and i was expecting the worst and and i mean i can tell you honestly i can't remember any negative experience wow. I had. so everyone opened their door everyone opened the door at the very least had a, a, a civil conversation you know even if they weren't interested they didn't think to, twice of, you know, me coming up to their doorstep, knocking on their door and stuff. And, and a lot of these places were really like, you know, far, 
these were like huge farms and there was like a house in the middle of it and the, the best experience i had was going up to this like uh, little, little church that they had the pastor just had a house right behind it we went there he was uh, i think he was a, he was a libertarian so i think he he was leaning right so not really a chance where i could convince him to to you know vote for like my candidate but we had a conversation for an hour and a half oh, wow he had uh, three or four small kids you know they were just getting ready to leave in in a couple of hours but like he invited me and my friend in and we obviously weren't able to convince each other but like those kind of conversations i don't know if i could have had them in a lot of places uh, in in my usual circles yeah. it was just amazing i mean i was so blown away i was i was i was just like oh man i mean imagine it was as close to being in india as i felt Oh wow. Yeah, you know, through all it was crazy. It was a, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I would encourage anyone if they have some free time just just go to these uh, to these rural places in, in the Midwest, I mean, known for yeah. its manners, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a good point because I think when you look at news or media or social media, a lot of times they're just trying to create a divide between people, left and right. If you are one side, you tend to feel everyone on, on the other side is is an idiot. and vice versa <laughs> and you just assume people are like really bad people right because they're not they're not following your your tribe then you start talking to people and you end up just realizing like this guy's like this person's like perfectly fine he's a very friendly individual he's kind he's compassionate he's loving sure we don't like agree on politics but that's reality we're not going to agree on everything but when it comes to the raw qualities of a human being he checks those which is being a good person yeah i yeah. mean it seems like your experience was exactly like that where even though there might have been scenarios you might have like helped convince or get people to vote for your candidate there are other scenarios where people were in the middle or people were not going to get to the other side to vote for you guys but at least they were open to having a conversation without feeling like attack i think it was it was even us trying to you know make them as comfortable as possible and try to be persuasive without offending them but even the people who had like you know trump signs in their front yard and yeah. and and they would engage with us they were anticipating being attacked as well right because i mean they've right. seen the kind of same stuff that i've seen <laughs> and so there was a little bit of a tension in uh, in a lot of the meetings um where where it was clear like another person is 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 from you know one side or the other and and they perceive me to be on the opposite side but again like it that tension goes away in the first couple of minutes when even when you're talking about issues you know where you disagree yeah. i mean we I was trying to convince them by by you know giving the policy policy position on my candidate. A lot of them were probably they wouldn't agree with, but they had genuine questions. Mm. Towards the end, uh, that candidate like actually came to that strip mall to to kind of do a little mini rally. I mean, I was really proud of the diversity we we got because we would knock on these doors and we would try to get everyone to come out. There were so many people that that, that were previously not even thinking of of, of participating in the, the caucuses. You know, yeah. who, who who showed out people who were from the other side. there was this really cute older couple who we spent like an hour with in the kitchen you know they were just so curious too they were like you know so cute and you know older people you think they have these their, their minds right. made up and stuff but they would ask us question they were fixing us up uh, like a little bit of you know supper you know so some coffee and, and and like some bread and jam and stuff till the end of the conversation i mean i even i still don't know where they stood on on these things they just wanted to know right so they were just listening without any judgment and and then towards the end i mean they must have like really enjoyed the conversation too they they told their family and friends about it and someone like posted about it on twitter too this is what surprised me that that we just write off people so easily right. i mean exactly. what else are we writing off that way you know it really makes you start thinking yeah yeah and absolutely 
it really helped me though there was a lot mm. of anxiety leading up to that election right like um, you come back from that because you're in UCLA so you've been in this one environment and then you and then you go to this place and you come back and you fe- feel more at ease yeah. you do because it's just like you know you keep saying oh people are more alike than different and you but you really feel it yeah you mentioned that when you were doing this in Iowa this was like the first time you felt a sense of community and people being open kind of similar to India closest, closest. yes what what type of characteristics would you describe that makes you think that this was the closest to what you got in India i think a lot a big part of it was having so many volunteers alongside with me we were working towards mm. this uh, this shared goal all of them were sincere and honest and i don't think that that, that was the defining quality but the fact that we were working so closely in such a big group after having been at ucl you know where the biggest you know project group you'd have like six people and yeah. even then you're kind of competing and even then th- like <laughs> only one of them is doing all the work let's be real <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going to comment because i don't hold the moral high ground in this uh, little scenario <laughs> uh, i let's just say i'm grateful to a lot of people in my project groups likewise <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, and I mean, literally all our classes were on curves, right? So yeah. kind of there was always a competition. Um, you have like you know twenty or thirty people around you. You you kind of spending eight ten hours together. I think there's a, a big amount of it is also the fact that like we spent so much time together during the right. days. In, in in UCLA, I mean, doing that for three or four weeks running wasn't possible, but it was what I did in in my high school in India. So I think that had something to do with mm. it as well. But but just also the fact that, you know, there were, we went into these huge housing complexes uh, in a town even outside of Oskaloosa, which is already a small, like, you know, small town. So, you know, some of the most rural parts, there would be like houses far apart, you know, like fucking spread out all over. Mm-hmm. And they would still talk about their neighbors, like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to go to this church thing. So so we went to a lot of these community events as well. And, and they had more than their fair share for the size of the places that they had. And the lady of the Chamber chamber of Commerce wouldn't know the the the, the, the mayor, the mayor, mayor would know, like, you know, the person who has that little stall in the right. in the main downtown right. area. Yeah. Even though houses were far apart and, and they had, like, little small downtown, you know, where you would think that you didn't have much to do, they would they would carve out, of, like, all of these, these, you know, little rituals. And people just knew each other. Uh, so so intimately i think that was the main thing that stuck out to me i think that that's what made me feel and i think it's so dis- difficult for me to describe it to people who who haven't right. been to india because you mentioned right you know the auntie is always keeping an eye on it's so true like you can you just feel loved and you feel like you belong and you feel like people are looking out for you all the right. time and that was that is to the max in india i mean like I, even iowa couldn't replicate it but I, right. I, I wish people could like you know and i think that that also will add a little softness to to our culture right now in America, where you don't feel like you 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 share your values with people around you. But then, if they could just see that there's another way, there's a way you could like be a community, and it would solve so yeah. many problems. Absolutely, just like you describing this uh, community in Iowa and people knowing each other, neighbors knowing each other. That you might think like, wow, you know that person, but he's hella far away from you. And be like, oh yeah, I know John. John's been living here for ten years. Blah blah blah. I think it's this great energy, man. It's this great positive energy, especially if from from your perspective too, as you were going door to door, hearing that people know of each other in the community 
it creates good energy. And from there you realize like, oh, wow, this is interesting because I haven't experienced this from someone like you who's coming from India, moved here when 17 for college. I haven't experienced this since India. So it, it's like good energy because you're familiar with it. Like this is this is how it's supposed to be, you know, like, oh, now I've hit it. <laughs> and now it's nice, like knowing like, you know, John's like, oh, John knows Bob, Bob knows Billy, et cetera, et cetera. But there is a sense of, hey, we'll look out for you. If there's something going on that seems weird, we'll call you right away. You know, we'll call the local police, you know, we'll let you know if something happens, you know, which is which is very hard to find. Yeah, there were dudes like a uh, couple of times we were knocking on doors. There would be like a dude who would just pull up with a pickup truck like, hey, what do you all want? Like, you know, keeping an eye out, probably be like someone driving yeah. past and that looking out for you. I think that makes such a huge difference. I don't think people really realize that, yeah, you can live in this big ass city in a shoebox and, and you can you can have a lot of these friends like just kind of spread around the city. You could technically have a huge social circle. Right. But if in the day to day, you don't, you don't have friends around you, you don't have loved ones around you, you feel like you're always on edge. All the time you, you're like, okay, I don't have anyone look, <laughs> watching my back, right? Like, no, right. nothing's going to happen. Still, I mean, that, that, that safety, the deprivation of that safety over a long period of time is, I don't think people realize how, how much it affects their mental health. I think recently I went back to India a couple of times, both for one month. Um, very, very, sh like, you know, short, like, I went back in August, stayed there for a month, came back, went back again in October, you know, stayed there for a month, both times. And you don't realize it till you go there and you live there for a long enough time, just how vivid, like, you know, just how much better your mood is. I mean, maybe it was just me, who knows, you know, your, your, your mileage may vary, but it's, that's why I was telling you, just go, I mean, and, and, and go yeah. for a while and, and stay mm -hmm. where, you, where you know people. Because a lot of people, again, like they go back to India, they travel and that's good. I mean, that's great. Do that. You, you, you want to be able to recreate that, that sense of community. And you can do that very easily if you're just living in the neighborhood. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think you meant bring up a good point. Like it's really hard to describe. It's a feeling, you know, you feel it. And it's really hard to describe that feeling of community, not even for, I mean, the safety part is great, but I mean, I think about this all the time. It's at the end of the day, like we're all walking towards death. Right. But the biggest thing that is with us throughout our whole, our whole life is like Sangha, their community. Mm -hmm. And if you have good community, good people you're surrounding yourself with, you get good energy. You feel purpose in your life. You feel like optimism. You feel happy. And it's, it's really hard to find. But wait, were you in India when India lost in the World Cup? When was this, 2018? No, wait, what? Didn't they just play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this time... Oh, wait, I was in India. Oh, was that... huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Was it, it wasn't India this time around, huh? I mean, so yeah, many things yeah. have happened in the past half a year, honestly. I was. Were you sad? I mean, it was depressed. Like, if, if you could... <laughs> Funniest thing happened, because it was right around Diwali, right? So a lot of people had um, mm -hmm. save firecrackers for the final once India wins. <laughs> so towards the second in the, the second half of the innings was very clear we were not going to win. So people mm. <laughs> started... Bursting the crackers. Oh, really? <laughs> to finish them off <laughs> right before the, the actual match ends. So they don't, you know, have to like technically celebrate the win of the opponent. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it was crazy because the prices were insane for the final and people were being hit up. And, and there were a lot of, I mean, it was a huge stadium. I think it, it was a 200,000 capacity. Yeah, it's the, it's the biggest stadium in the world, apparently. Is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I recently learned yeah. that. No, 200,000. Yeah, I mean, I believe it for sure because even the biggest football stadiums, I couldn't believe it when I heard. The biggest football stadiums are 100,000. Mm, okay. People play, paid huge sums, paid huge sums to go.
for tickets and, yeah 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 even then there were like a, a bunch of them that didn't get sold but i mean you can imagine we had won the world cup in 2011 in mumbai right yeah. and in such an iconic way i mean that helicopter shot i mean people people need to see it too because it's a ball she moved to pull yeah right at the death i mean dhoni's a baller so so this was the the next generation the the, the players right after and it was a hugely talented i mean the ipl has has been so amazing to to unearth all these gems so we have had a great uh, cricket generation so it was their time and and and, and there were a couple of players who were, who this will be the last time they'll be able to 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 play in the world cup yeah. so we had been perfect and i was telling i was i was a little fucking you know you know negative nancy i was i was like listen like we need to fucking lose we need to lose it was a round robin thing so everyone played everyone a uh, couple of matches were pretty pointless cuz you know if you're already qualified we needed to lose we didn't lose pressures too much it seems like that's a common theme when the lights get big india kind of chokes is that true i don't follow cricket that much you you have a better idea i wouldn't say we south africa are the chokers oh, really? for, for decades i would say for decades they've india's done pretty good also india has the biggest uh, cricket uh, the 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 overseeing body so we have the the most funding fan base of course right like so so that that creates so much money basically everyone else is kind of a puppet state even the 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 icc the the, the world governing body kind of subordinate mm-hmm. so india kind of like you know throws its weight around so really you don't uh, they'll 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 create a new tournament if india isn't winning they, they they'll figure out a new <laughs> format but they'll make sure <laughs> <laughs> they they fund a lot of the other countries organizations too and i mean for a lot of the american viewers i think they're lost right now these uh, these cricket stories but it's easier than baseball i'll die on this hill um it's more fun than baseball i'll die on that hill as well and y'all are all missing out the people who are fans of baseball how's you tell me i mean you You kind of know baseball. I have no idea. How how is it similar? It took me a while to really understand baseball. <laughs> After I understood it, I don't think I'll actively watch a game on TV or I mean I'll go to a game but I'm not watching the game. I'm like socializing, drinking with my buddy or like having snacks or whatever and just hanging out. It's more for the ambiance and like the vibe, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's complicated, I will say that. Cricket, I mean I've watched cricket, so I don't think it's complicated, but just like just like it was hard for me to understand baseball, it's probably a little bit difficult for an American to understand cricket. but i know if people if people like gave it a chance and understood how things work i'm sure they could get into it it's just it's very similar it's a long ass game what's more fun though what's more fun I to would watch to say play cricket cuz cricket is a little bit faster paced than baseball cuz in really? baseball you can have like if you're batting there's three strikes you got to get him striked out three times but sometimes you can make him walk which is a bit di- different i don't know exactly how all those rules work but whereas with cricket it's like okay the guy's batting you're batting if i bowl and if if the wickets are hit you're out you know it's like all right next person up you know so in that aspect i do like the pace of cricket it's a little right. bit more faster hmm i mean they actively changed it because the oldest format is the five day one which i mean a lot of the the really hardcore ones watch but usually it's not mm. people actively following along then they had the one that lasted eight hours so each inning mm. would only be four four hours each and even that was too long So now it's the 20 and there was you know so, so it's just 20 was each so totally the, I mean the, the whole game lasts like for 3 hours max and there was talk of even going down to like 10 hours so Dude, that's, like, too that. that's too less that's too less because but i mean i give them kudos to, to you know to see the fact that you know they were competing with every other sport not with just right. you know other cricket leagues in other countries they saw the fact that you know people really needed something like yeah. you know 3 hours is, is is the limit 
and they adapted actively and you know people were grumbling all the time and i compare that with like you know i don't know much about american sports i think that i i follow a lot of uh, european soccer and even there uh, the the video assistant was recently introduced after like you know people grumbling for decades right the pace of change is just so different there there they they're making maybe so much money mm. or i don't know what it is maybe they're just too traditional it's the very simple aspect of you know doing video replay and then figuring out what decision the referee makes has has had so much controversy yeah. for like four five years now and you know you have Basketball, replays and football. fucking you know yeah. all of these things in in the us for so long without any hitch and they had it in qatar too it was automated so it was better my conspiracy theory is that you know the referees don't <laughs> want it to succeed the, this is called var i mean look it up later but like uh, <laughs> I, i mean man united is pretty topical but anyway so they don't want it to succeed and they don't want they they're just saving their own job so they just fucking you know that's 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 another hell i die on so just keep counting keep a count keep a list i'll i'll fight it that's a good point you this. mentioned how cricket is now or at least in india they're not competing necessarily against indian sports because it's by far the biggest indian sport that's followed in india for sure but now they're trying to make it a a global sport i don't think it's really come into the american market most americans are not watching only indian americans are right now watching uh, cricket so i think that makes sense like mm-hmm. they they have creative ideas of oh should we make it 10 overs will we get more audience more funding everything right everything kind of comes into play they were doing uh, talking about a us league oh were they they were brief talks about it yeah a couple of years that's ago that's cool i'd be down to go watch a game really yeah, yeah that's kind of fun no us is the ultimate market but uh, i honestly think it's too popular in india mm. to the detriment of other sports in india i would think that the population we have we should be top in a lot of sports we appreciate it what's i wish that wasn't the case right right that wasn't yeah yeah was this this look at the olympics man it's crazy <laughs> like the fuck you don't win any medals so. that's true that's true hey, hey we we do pretty well in javelin throwing i think i think we're pretty good at that we have started winning golds now and i mean i couldn't be prouder i still remember when um, abhinav bindra the, the I, shooter I remember yeah he won he, this was the first time i think uh, an individual won gold in in i think the rio olympics or something yeah. it was it was it was a huge oh, deal I, i was i was so proud at the same time i was like man this we really need more invest i mean and, and there's a huge there's a path to to it like people don't have to starve if they choose sports in india they can work for these um publicly owned enterprises so so you know railways and and coal and oil and all these companies and they can work and also have dedicated time to play i think in a lot of ways there's like a better structure to sports people you know having a decent life uh, in india as compared to in, in, in a lot of other countries yeah. so still baffles me Bro, why we don't know indian parents it, but... are like yo you should be an indian cricketer everyone's like nah dude you're a doctor and engineer let's be real <laughs> like why are we not talking about that <laughs> I, <laughs> i was trying, I, i was trying to tip to around <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge it's you know, I, i remember i was i wanted to like you know play for man united i told my dad after 10th grade man i'm i'm doing this i'm i'm i really want to go to the academy i i i'll do whatever it takes you know i'd watched gold yeah. the movie which is like a, a cult classic yeah. in, in for people who watch uh, football soccer but i'm doing it you know in the first thing i'm gonna and um yeah it was the same thing right like everyone's like i don't have money to make you a sports person i have money to only to educate you you know so through college right. and stuff so yeah i totally get it yeah. man i mean people are a lot of the people in india i mean are still very poor 
So yeah, you need that one generation where you get financial stability, and then the next generation maybe. This is how I think about it. I mean, maybe you're just a couple right. generations. That's a good behind. point. Yeah, that's a really good point actually. Was this the same time when you were in India when you went to the the Osho camp? No, so this was uh, very recently. This was the time I went in August. I okay. was in Pune, and then that's when I had most of my high school. I'd always known about Osho. I was in Pune. Was there for a while, and so I had. I I was looking for uh, ways to just you know kill time during the day when my, my friends are busy. Went to Osho because I had known about Osho, and honestly, all I'd heard was just very scandalous, you know, spicy things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially after the what was this uh, the Netflix? I mean, for, let me give everyone context. For context, Osho was a spiritual teacher in the seventies and eighties. He promoted active meditation, which is meditation with physical movement. Uh, what was the other thing? Oh yeah, and then everyone knows him from the Netflix documentary. What's it called? Wild Wild West, I think. Wild Wild, Wild, Wild Country. Country. Yeah. Yeah, Wild Wild Country. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> the... Yeah, go on. Sorry. No, I was gonna say from that from that documentary, there's a lot of scandalous things about Osho. But I looked into it. I don't know that much about the guy, but some of the things that I read about, I was like, okay, this makes like logical sense. Like he he didn't support. He didn't think spirituality. Is was able to be is able to be contained within a religion. He thought spiritual uh, spirituality was something outside of religion mm. and that needed to be uh, worked on and didn't need to have specific dogma associated with. I mean, he also believed that you should live life fully with uh, without attachment, which I actually liked. I, I like that. But yeah, it's I don't know. I think everyone's just kind of uh, basing their opinion off that documentary, though. It was a pretty <laughs> it was a wild documentary. I mean, like, I, did you watch it? Yeah, yeah I did. I mean, the the fucking balls this guy had. They took over yeah, the village. Actually. Come on. Man. Yeah. That's... I mean, they, they started a city in Oregon, which is which was wild. But kind of going back to what you were saying, so you decided, why did you decide to go? Yeah, so I think it's um, whoever decides to go to these meditation retreats are probably, you know, doing it to, to, to achieve better mental health. I don't think anyone goes there who's like completely happy with their uh, life. So... <laughs> You know, as I said, I was uh, I was in Pune and um, I had my ex there, so I didn't want to, you know, just do Vela Panti, which is I think a Hindi word for just being jobless the whole day. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to spend some time um, just trying to get centered. One of the main reasons I went back to India during that time was I didn't want to I didn't want to connect India with like any of the negative memories of my ex. I wanted to create more positive memories, especially Pune. Went back there. I always knew about Osho, so I wanted to do to try it out. I had heard about it since I was in like, you know, third grade or something. Oh, wow. But again, like, you know, the, the reputation of of Osho, even in Pune, amongst us stupid kids was always like, oh, you know, they're going to be having constant sex parties there, you know, they're doing all kinds of drugs and and it's always, you know, foreigners, you know, in these robes. And so, <laughs> uh, again, you know, to, to put it into context, it's um, it's in it's in this lane um, that's surrounded by trees. I mean, so it, it, like the trees almost form a canopy. So the, it's at the end of this lane in Pune um, where they have a huge property inside. But from the outside, it's it's pretty well hidden. So you could kind of drive by and maybe just see the gates and be like, oh, you know, maybe it's just a hotel. Over so it's not really far away from the city. It's still, it's located in the city. Yeah, yeah. It's in one of the main, okay. um, yeah, one of the more posh areas of, of Pune. So yeah, right in the middle, um, which you would think, you know, would make for a chaotic environment. But once you go in, it's it's uh, very quiet, e- even though it's in the open. Mm. And of course, it's it's super quiet in the meditation rooms. But the idea was just that it's 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 very it's it's hedonistic basically. His idea was, as you said, you know, 
pleasures and bad. So you don't have to suffer just for the sake of it for spirituality or whatever. You can really live a full life. And he had a lot of contradicting um, teachings as well. But the idea was that, you know, be yourself. I think that mm-hmm. resonates with a lot of people. So I needed some uh, to spend some time. So I went there. I They had this monsoon festival going on. So a lot of people were there. Just wanted to get to know what the the routine was and everything. So um, talked to a lot of people there, and I was honestly expecting, you know, the the cult vibes with like the glassy eyes and it's like, oh yes, you know, you'll enjoy it, you'll <laughs> love, you know, I love Osho and this and that. It was the exact opposite where people were like, listen, mm. this is where you meditate. You come here, you meditate. There's 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 a party at the end of the night, but it's not, you know, you come here, you meditate. That's all you do, and and everyone is here for that same thing. And everyone had good things to say about it. I was like, why not? You know, I, I need to center myself. Meditation is as good a, a way to do it as any. And, you know, it's right there. So went to Osho, beautiful campus. You know, it's, it's right in the middle of the city. But once you go in, as I said, it's just so calming. Everyone's, uh, just for more, more color on this, you have to wear a robe, a, a maroon robe during the day and a white robe during the mm. night the last meditation you were, you're wearing a white robe but everyone is in, in in like maroon garb again like that that enhances the sense of belonging but i think everyone just recognizing the fact that everyone's go there is going through their own struggle and they're there to just you know mm-hmm. better themselves i think it also creates a good a good atmosphere good vibes very nice peaceful calming friendly people from all over but i think the thing that i liked the most about that place was as you said, active meditation. They have multiple mm-hmm. activities that start from 6 a.m. in the morning all the way till 11 p.m. at night. So continuously, you could be doing, you could be meditating throughout the day, basically. Can you describe what active meditation is? Yeah, active meditation is exactly what it sounds right? like. It's it's doing meditation, but while being physically active. Mm. So it can take a lot of different forms. They have, uh, they, they, they have, I think, um, eight or nine different kinds of uh, ceremonies they do during uh, throughout the okay. day. And then each of these ceremonies, you know, they have a different um, rhythm to them, a different musical background. But at the same time, they, they have different structures. Okay. To it, so just to break it down a little uh, bit, Preet, uh, you said, yeah. how long was this for? Like, how many days was this? Uh, it, for me, it was just uh, three days. Okay. You could do as long as you want, as little as you okay. want. And each day had a schedule that you had to follow? Yeah, most of the the time, most of the events were the same. Uh, maybe a couple of hours, there would be different events depending on the day. But they just got done with their monsoon festivals. I think during those times, I think there's a monsoon festival uh, around the time I went, and then there's a December festival. They have more more of a, a custom schedule. But yeah, most of the times you're doing four or five of the same meditation ceremonies every day. Can you? So that's constant. Okay, well, what are some of these ceremonies? Yeah, yeah. So I'll uh, actually send you uh, a list so you can maybe, you know, put it in the video if you ever want to do that. But there are a lot of them. They I'll just give you a couple of them. I have them up here. There's uh, the Nada Brahma meditation. There's the Kundalini meditation. Um, there's the Chakra meditation. A lot of these fancy sounding words for essentially just being active in different ways mm-hmm. while you're meditating. Common one is um, basically for the first, let's say you have an hour long ceremony. For the first 15 minutes, you're just sitting there, legs crossed, having a hum, like a hmm, and you just close your eyes, you're meditating for 15 minutes with an instructor there with people around you. Then the next 15 minutes, you channeling your chakras and and really being aware of the different chakras that you have. Mm-hmm. And, and there's obviously an instructor who's guiding you through all of this. And, 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 and you're just kind of feeling 
your energy go out into the universe and 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 you you represent that by having your hands slowly imperceptibly almost you know move outwards and in, mm. in this little pattern then the next 15 minutes is you basically getting up and just dancing in in whatever way you want and then the next 15 minutes you're basically just laying down and and kind of just uh, recentering yourself again the whole day was full of just like you know these 15 20 minute blocks mm. you were really getting out of your body getting out of yourself you know getting out of the shackles of like your mind and then getting back in again it was so it was so peaceful in in a way where again i think the the campus is beautiful they have this little pyramid building where you go inside and this basically is black marble i think and so when you go inside you and this little like and, and there are white walls on top so it, it just feels just so nice uh, anyway so you have people around you as well just just being themselves after every ceremony i felt like there was like a load getting off mm. my shoulder it was so peaceful it was so effective i mean i always i thought it was hocus pocus <laughs> a lot of the meditation and i could never just sit and fucking do it for an yeah. hour but this thing is nice and you can just you're, you're dancing like for half the yeah. time you are you are you um you're not still you, i mean there are there are parts where you are still and the the best part about it is there's this um evening meditation which is the main thing where you dress up in in white and there you're just sitting there and you're listening to a show for like an hour and a half or something he's a funny guy yeah. you know <laughs> he's he is his lectures are entertaining i just wish they sped up the video a little <laughs> bit but you know he's a funny guy and a lot of these videos on youtube but you no know, it feels like he's not preaching at you okay. he's, he's just he's talking about his his the the main message i got out of it is basically do stuff that makes you happy mm-hmm. and don't feel guilty about doing it because you're not somehow going like straying away from your mor- morality or like uh, spirituality or 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 like your pure purity if, if you're if you're having fun i mean there's a caveat to that right if you're doing bad things that are making you happy sure maybe <laughs> yes i <laughs> yeah okay so just just to make sure we're on the same page there but uh, yeah like the i think what what you're saying is like the general thing like okay if if you like hiking if it makes you happy do it you know like things like that obviously there's like both sides which are there are clearly things that are bad even if they're making you happy they're bad you know i need i need to hear that like again and again every day in my life so i don't make this <laughs> i'll just record that yeah. in part plate <laughs> but there's this huge persecution fetish i think in a lot of religions where you just have to suffer and when you suffer then you cleanse your soul and that's a huge thing there so yeah. i think maybe that's why he was so popular when he talks about it it really feels like he's just talking to you man he lived like a fucking insane like he had like 50 rolls royces one of them is still in the little campus yeah. so you walk past it during one of the ceremonies and he lived like a flashy guy yeah he definitely was, lived like uh... a like a flashy flashy guy he had a lot of money poured into from his support which is which is good but i think you you hit it on hit it on the nail about uh just finding things that that make you happy and understanding that the suffering is happening to everyone but you can enjoy the suffering right it's your decision whether you want to feel miserable during the suffering or if you want to feel good about the suffering and just enjoy it and i think it's really interesting if you watch the documentary one one common thing theme that i found is most of those people who were part of his camp in uh, or just in general his followers were very very successful people lawyers politicians uh, ceos business owners etc but i think one thing that i found co- in common in all of most of their stories was that they had lost purpose and i think osho gave them the purpose of not following him but understanding like hey this this is beautiful life is beautiful enjoy it find things that make you happy and i think the whole dancing thing is really interesting because i looked on youtube and i found some of the dancing videos and right away i was like dude this seems so fucking stupid but i get it you know 
it's like similar to going to a club now and you see people dancing like sure people are on different type of drugs like alcohol whatever right but it's the same thing where people are just expressing themselves and dancing when i looked at it from that angle those videos i was like wow this is really interesting because now it's exactly what you were saying how when you were dancing at the end of all these small blocks you felt like some emotion a lot of things had just like come off your body which is cool because now it's like you're just dancing for the sake of dancing without people judging you without anything and it's just fun and a lot of emotions everything just comes down and you you enjoy enjoy life you know that was a, the first time honestly i danced without alcohol in a long yeah, time no i bet yeah no that makes absolute sense <laughs> yeah I mean, it's also people are just too much in that. Oh, yeah, dude, people. for sure. I, I think it's also similar to when you are doing physical exercise, too, because if you do something very strenuous, you think like, oh, shit, I can't do this. But when you are like nearing the end or when you finish it, there's just these mm -hmm. you just feel so nice, like clean. Your mind feels clean and empty. But you also like have this weird at least I've had this experience where there's this internal weird feeling like, okay, there's like more to this, like more to what my body is. There's more to what I can achieve and feeling contentment and peace. You feel that at the end of a gym session? Oh, yeah. Well? Depending on how hard I go, if I go yeah. do some some hard shit, if I go run like a half marathon or if I go do something like I know that's going to be painful, I, I feel it right for sure. How did you get the gym sessions to be the, like that stimulating though? I mean, I understand like after like, you know, like a lot of lifting and stuff, I get like, of course, you know, you're going to be feeling great. But how do you get through it and do it consistently? I've never been able to get into a routine for that. I think there's a lot of ways to do that. I think it's more so one advice that I found very useful recently is that you have to make it a priority. You know how you're saying like, oh, I have work tomorrow, for example, right? If I asked you like, hey, Preet, do you want to hang out at one tomorrow? You're like, no, dude, I can't because like, you have work tomorrow. You're like scheduling things for us to hang out around work, right? It's the same thing with working out. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, on Tuesday, I'm working out from six to seven. And now if I ask you like, hey, do you want to hang out on Tuesday? You're like, yes, I'm down, but I'm going to be free after like 8 p.m. Because 6 to 7, I'm working out, coming home, shower. I want to relax for a bit and then I'm free. Like, right. You do that when you when it is actually fun for you to go to the gym. So I guess like my question is, how did you have to actively try to make it fun? Or was it after a while you kind of just got into groove? I think you need to find what's fun for you. Because like, I think one thing that you're asking before is like, wait, you felt that while you were lifting, like those that type of. Uh, adrenaline endorphins not necessarily i think mm. lifting was a different type of exercise was a different way of me feeling but the the endorphins and that high that i feel only happens when i do like outside activities whether it's playing basketball whether it's hiking whether it's running whether it's going for a long mm. walk but usually so at the gym mm. i can have that type of feeling maybe even with weights but i haven't i don't get that as often as me doing a bunch of row rowing machine or uh, I don't know, running a very long distance or something like that. Because weights is more like mm -hmm. you got to wait it out. You know, you you do a set and now you have like a minute break and now you do another set. But obviously there's like different variations to it to make you have that feeling like, oh, wow, this was really, really hard. You know, I've heard like, I mean, weightlifting, I think is, is the most efficient way to lose calories and like build muscle or something like that. Right. Which I recently found out. I mean, I always thought it was all like, you know, cardio and then, you know, food and stuff. But like, you know, that's there too. The food's there. But better than cardio, like if you lift, you lose more. more yeah, yeah. Calories. No, definitely. Definitely. Going back to the whole OSHA thing, did you did you take anything away from it after those three days that you still do or you think about? I mean, I'd love to tell you that I, 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 I do like, you know, meditation every day. I've never been good at routines. So I'll always have a phase and then I'll, I'll, I'll switch it up. 
but I think what I realized then was that I think to to a large extent, you know, people tell you that you know happiness is a state of mind. It's a, it's a cliche that you know you hear all the time, and then you, maybe even you know what it means. Like you know, you know that it's a choice. You have to make it. Blah right. blah blah. You know, whatever happens, you have to be happy. Blah. Getting out of Osho at that point really made me feel like there was a way to actively do it. Like I could affect it. You know, you I didn't have to kind of just be like ah, you know. I'm still choosing to be happy, you know. I'd have to make that active choice. I could, I could lead myself to it almost in a semi-conscious way, right? So, mm. I think meditation helps all the people in in different ways. But for especially for people who struggle to kind of just sit down and do it, it showed me that there was a way to meditate even while you're being physically yeah. active. And and when I say physically active, like people were like you know dancing, and and you could still get into that flow state. I I did towards the end of it, and it made me realize there are different ways to 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 get into this meditation thing and universally i think it's it's a super helpful uh, habit to have because ironically you know the fact that you spend 10 20 30 minutes being inside your head will mean that you'll be outside of your head more and and actually be more physically present the rest of your day it it takes away anxiety in in, in a way that at least for me was really helpful i think my whole trip in india I was just like full of serendipity. Like even from the minute I landed and I took the train and I met so many people who who, who just gave me advice that was so relevant to my situation without even knowing my <laughs> situation. Like I swear I couldn't have written it. But the fact is, like you know, this was the end of 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 a trip like that. It was the best thing to do. I would highly suggest making meditation a social activity if you're struggling because that really it makes it stick. And I don't know, it, it almost has. More of an immediate effect. Yeah, no, I think that, that when, I think that's a good point. That's what I I like about his uh, his route too, because the traditional meditation is that hey, you're sitting down and you're just like understanding how your body wants to like meditating actually, right? But like you said, most people when they hear that, they're either turned off or they're just like, yo, I can't do that shit, you know. But like doing something social and like active meditation, you can achieve those same types of states. It's a bit different, but yeah, you can still achieve those types of states. Just because one works with me and the other doesn't work with you doesn't mean there's a right or wrong answer. There's like different ways to go about it. And I think it's important for for people to find something that works best for them. And like for you, it's it's been like, hey, I want to do like active meditation because it makes me, I don't know, I just feel like a kid again, for example, you know, or like I'm around people. I enjoy that. Whereas just sitting at my house in the corner and meditating, it's, it's just not my vibe, you know, that's perfectly fine. Mm. People need to, people really need to spend some time into this because force yourself to meditate. And so funny you mentioned just acting like a child because there were sessions in the uh, special sessions where it was just a small group of people. And all they did for an hour was just act like a child. And were they crawling? <laughs> they were. They were said that basically do whatever you didn't get to do as a child. Become Any that weird child. things. <laughs> I'm not trying to judge. I just want to. I just want everyone to get I... a, a visual idea of what's happening in this situation. <laughs> I think I heard a very sanitized version of it because this is like a, a secondhand account. But <laughs> and there were some people who became really petty. They would hold their toys and become, build their like little cushion forts and like not let anyone else play. Some people were really, they went to baby talk. I mean, oh, like wow. it, it's awkward for the first five, 10 minutes. That's it. And then right. <laughs> you're basically just in your own vibe. Apparently it's very freeing. That That's what I heard. What was the ratio like at this camp? Was it mostly women, mostly men, older, younger? Um, I think uh, the, the, the ages were just basically all over the place, you know, from young adults to, 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 to pretty okay. old people. I would say the ratio would be like, you know, 60, 70% men, maybe 40. It was a good ratio. I mean, like, I don't think it was as bad as 30% okay. women, but it was a it was okay. a decent ratio. And I don't know. I just wish I, I don't know. I wish I just hadn't listened to like all these like 
scandalous stories about Osho and like no but bro <laughs> like I was walking outside with that maroon robe and people were staring at me like they were legit staring at me even though I was Indian I was never been stared like this this is how you Indian stare like you know Gora people like it I was and I get it I would have done the same yeah Gora people's white people <laughs> yeah, sure, yes. white. <laughs> were there any foreigners there tons 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 yeah tons? yeah yeah from all over like you know there was this lady from Australia there's a dude from Japan like literally I mean I could there was it was a really inspiring story there was this guy who had like you know partial paralysis and you know he had been in physical therapy for years and for him being in Osho and like I think just the meditation not the Osho part but the meditation part for doing doing it for a month or two I think he had he told me he had more of an improvement than the last five years so oh, wow. I mean that was really surprising to me I don't know how much I believe it but if he's he was literally like you know nothing worked and I don't care like I had enough money where I could take some time off and go to whatever and try to lessen my pain but nothing worked for him except for meditation I think it's a common story I've heard those stories with uh, other forms of meditation really? too it helps it definitely helps yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm not surprised yeah oh I mean think about that huh mind over matter fucking that's insane yeah man yeah, it's crazy. When you go to these camps, I think the best thing is uh, exactly what you said with the whole mind over matter. You realize more is possible than you think. And you start seeing or perceiving the outside world very differently. How is this compared to the silent retreat you went to? Well, it's to? silent, first of all. I know. It's fucking, dude, how? <laughs> how did you? How long was it? That's 10 days. For for context, this is Vipassana. This is a, a Vipassana camp. You can, you can look, Google it. Basically, it's a 10-day silent retreat. And it's for free. It doesn't cost money either. But it's it's pretty intense, I would say. I think the first few days, it's hard because you're coming from society where you're talking to everyone to uh, not talking to anyone. And those first three days, you're like, holy shit, I am here now. At least in my experience, I think day four or five, you get a good feel for it. You're like, wow, I'm really enjoying this. Kind of similar to what you were saying about how you hit those flow states and time just passes by so mm. quickly throughout the day. By day seven, I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to go back to reality or society. Yeah, a lot of times I felt like, wow, this would, I, I wish I could do this forever, you know. Basically, you can't talk throughout the day, but can you talk at the beginning or, or after the day is over? No, the only time you talk is the beginning of the course. And that's like day zero when the the instructors are basically telling us how our schedule is going to be for the next 10 days. And that's the only time we can talk. And then after the course starts from day one to day 10 morning, we can't talk. The next time we talk is day 10 at the end of day 10 afternoon when the Ooh. course is over. Okay, wow. <laughs> it's intense, and man. Tell me about the, 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 the schedule. How is it like? The schedule is we have, uh, there's three group sits which is with everyone and then throughout the day it's just basically time to meditate by yourself and you're just meditating throughout the day by yourself obviously we have like breakfast and lunch provided so there's slots for okay this is breakfast time this is lunch time in between those three group mm -hmm. sessions that are mandatory everyone's kind of meditating on their own whether it's in their room at the at the meditation hall or there's this other temple kind of thing but a little bit a lot more secluded and isolated you can meditate there wow. too and so group settings where you're just sitting basically together, but just meditating silently. Yes. So there's a teacher and he's kind of instructing everyone, but he's not talking after like, he only talks on the first day to kind of give instruction to everyone. But as the course goes on to teach the technique, those instructions are being given, but we can't talk. And if we have questions, we have to go directly ask the teacher. Okay. Okay. I see. I see. You can't be loud or anything. You can't just ask in front of everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so you said the first couple of days were hard. Yeah. I think uh, the first few days were hard, but eventually, uh, eventually it got easier for sure. How did you feel at the end? Like day 10? Very relaxed. Very relaxed. Just uh, empty. 
just felt a lot more love, compassion, mm. kindness, not ready for going back to society. <laughs> talking must have sounded like a chore, right? After 10 days. It's just like, oh, man. It's oh, just... yeah. It was weird talking after those 10 days. Like, <laughs> I, I was so used to being in silence that it was weird. I'm like, why are you talking so much? Just talk less, you know? <laughs> just yeah just feel things just live yeah the guy at the grocery store is like how's your day going i'm like dude just stop just scheme my shit bro like i just came back this is weird to me (laughs) but there is a there was a lot more uh peace that i felt which was nice i met this uh, canadian punjabi girl in osho who had actually gone to vipassana and she had a very similar thing to what you said basically Mm. that it was weird in the beginning and then just feel incredibly light positive whatever yeah. whatever at the end wait so you decided was this your first uh, meditation retreat or was this just yeah this was time? my this was my first uh, retreat in 2018 so basically your first time around you just went for like straight away the silent one you didn't want to dip your toes in you know a little bit of like active meditation nothing like that honestly i didn't really know too much about meditation in at ucla i learned a little bit just from the friends i was around they were into meditation but I didn't practice it during that time. Then my brother went to this same camp in uh, 2017 as well. That's the year that I graduated and started working full time. And one thing I felt was there's a lot of mind wandering when I was when I was working. And he was the one suggest- who suggested like, hey, why don't you try meditating? So I tried meditating here and there. It was hard. I didn't really know what I was doing anyways. And then from there, he said like, hey, you can always check out this camp. And then I looked into it. And I'm like, screw it. Let's just go. No research. <laughs> yeah, i it, love that but it is a it is a camp in the you're um, i went to the deep end right right away i'll say that <laughs> right. yeah. where was this this was in north fork which is uh uh it's kind of near fresno in california but they have they have centers all around america all around the world actually right right but pasta has a huge movement i mean i think uh, way way more common than i think osho osho only is i think one center in america oh couple. really oh i didn't know that yeah there's a there's a lot of controversy about him for sure this has been an interesting talk and really fun talk. Thanks for doing this again. And uh, hope we can do this again in the future. Bye, guys. Okay. Bye, man. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>